Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're talking about demons with demonologists. Just before we get into that though, I just want to say, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous episodes, please make sure you're subscribed, and also on whatever platform you use, if there's a rating system, if you want to leave us a review, leave us a rating, it really helps people find the podcast. Also, if you want to reach our social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram, definitely jump on those. We'll keep you in the loop for every time I post or any sort of things that are kind of going on. So you can jump on over there. Also, we have a blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. Definitely jump on over there. I'm going to post some images and some bits and pieces that relate to this episode. So a little bit over a year ago, I spoke to three demonologists in a roundtable kind of panel type discussion. And that was really cool. It was very eye-opening. And when the opportunity came up to speak to some more demonologists, I definitely jumped at it because I'm constantly very interested in learning more and more about this world because it's something that I just don't know a ton about. You know, there's people who literally, well, demonologists who spend their every waking moment trying to figure out what is going on in this field and I suppose a lot of time trying to help people as well. So it's a very unknown kind of waters for me, but I love to just hear people's experiences and, you know, what they've actually found in their time of being demonologists. So in this episode, we're speaking to Chris and Harmony DeFlorio. When Chris and Harmony reached out and wanted to tell me a little bit about their lives and the experiences they've been having, I got really excited because I started to think these two could potentially be the modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren. I'm sure a lot of you know who Ed and Lorraine are. They're a very famous power couple who are demonologists and dealt with some of the biggest and most well-known demonology cases and uh, have definitely paved the way for this whole kind of field. And after speaking to Chris and Harmony, I would definitely call them the modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren. The stuff we're going to get into is pretty full on and it's it's wild that this stuff is actually going on within this field of demonology. It's, it's very exciting uh, from the point of view of just learning more about the sort of in and outs of this stuff because, you know, there's a lot of differing kind of opinions. And we, we do speak about that. You know, is it sort of related to a higher power? Is it something else? You know, like there's a lot of sort of facets. And, you know, as I mentioned, we're going to get into a lot of that in this chat. So I'm going to keep this introduction short and just kind of, you know, let Chris and Harmony really explain what it is that they do and where they kind of sit with it at the moment. You know, they're very new into this in the sort of few recent years. Um, but 
they're just constantly learning and trying to figure out, you know, what is actually going on. And I think we do kind of come to the conclusion that we might not ever know, but them having the tools in place to help people who might be in a situation that is out of their control and they, you know, do need some help. So what Chris and Harmony are doing is really great. And we kind of get into the point of, I think more of this needs to be brought to light and um, people need to know that there is help for them out there. So thank you so much to Chris and Harmony for coming on. And I think you'll really enjoy this chat. Chris, Harmony, how are you both? How are you? Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm very interested in the topic of um, demonology and, you know, I suppose anything like that. And I suppose a lot of people are. And I guess in recent times, it's become more and more of a known sort of topic, I suppose. You know, I guess a lot of cinema has really been highlighting what's kind of going on. But um, first of all, I guess I'm so curious about both of your backgrounds and how did you get into all this stuff? Well, I, I would say it, it all started uh, 2009, right? Yeah. Have we pretty much? You know, the way we take it, it it's basically from a, a religious, a biblical perspective. So I know demonology has, has a wide uh, variety of, of the way people approach it. And so the way it started for us is uh, in 2009, we basically, you, you would call it a spiritual awakening. You know, we started going to church, we became Christians, uh, we were both raised Catholic, so we had a little background in it. But uh, in 2009, you know, something changed for us. You know, a, a lot of people, maybe they say that uh, they had an interest from a kid, you know, as a child, maybe they had an experience or, you know, they read a lot of books on it. I mean, I always liked it, Harmony, always was always interested in the topic. We love horror films, you know, we love the paranormal, we, we always have. But uh, I, I would think at that moment, you know, in, in 09, right away, Harmony and I started pretty much a homeless ministry. You know, when, when you're dealing with people on the street and you're really uh, engaging people, you, you know, you begin to really see a different side of the world. You get involved in people's lives. And that's how the journey began. And I would say years later, in 2018, I decided that I wanted to do more of a, a missionary aspect that I wanted to travel to other countries. And in 2018, I traveled to Africa. You know, I spoke it over my wife. I said, you know, I really want to go. And I pretty much, you know, jumped on a plane by myself and, and headed over there. I, I hooked up with a, a Christian school called Hope Haven Rwanda to volunteer. And I met some great people. And during the, uh, the trip, we went into this marketplace, hundreds of people walking around. They had, they were selling goats. They had, it was really what you, what we see on TV. It was, it was a lot of people running around selling things, a lot of markets. But what was interesting was we saw this man and this man was slithering around in the middle of the marketplace and all these people were just looking at him, but it was something different. He was slithering around and he was, he was eating his arm. He was trying, he was trying to suck the blood out of his forearm. And he was making a noise I'd never heard before. Now, what happened was uh, most of the people with me in the, in the group thought he was having a seizure. But uh, also, I was a paramedic in New York City for about seven or eight years earlier. And, I, you know, I've seen hundreds of seizures. And that wasn't a seizure. I knew something spiritual was going on. You could, you could just, you could feel it. 
You know, you, you could feel the tension. You could feel there was something that wasn't right. And that kind of changed me. That kind of set me off on a, on a different path where I, you know, you see the movies, you see what Hollywood shows you. And, you, you know, you read lots of books on the topics, um, what the Catholic Church has and, and just other people like the Warrens. But when you see something like that and you know you're face to face and in, in the presence of some kind of evil, it definitely changes you. And that's what happened because when I came back home to to the States, I started to look at my homeless ministry a lot different. Um, I had a homeless ministry with Harmony in Times Square, New York. So after my, my shift at work, I would go there and we would go, you know, we'd feed them and, and clothe them and, and, you know, we'd share Bibles with them and just, you know, try to help their lives. But I started, now I started to, to look at it, like what's going on here? And you know, I noticed a lot of the people were addicted to drugs. And that was like 90% of them, to be honest. So I started to look into that. I started to, you know, taking it, like I said, from the from the biblical, from the spiritual aspect of what's going on. I started to to use discernment on, on a situation. And a situation like that, you really do, you have to have discernment. You have to, you have to pray on it. You have to, you know, show me what's going on. And what happened is I started to do some research. And I started to look at how the cartel would call in a, a witch doctor when, they, when they're loading up these drugs um, to send over here. And, you know, they're, they're part of the, this religion called Santa Murte. And, you know, it's kind of like their version synchronized with the Catholic, where they have like Mary as a skeleton and they worship the skeleton. And what they do is they call someone in to, to curse the drugs to pray for them to be addicted so they can make more money. And that probably started me on the path to demonology because now I, I started reading. And, you know, once you get hooked on the topic, now you're being, you're finding all these different books, you're finding these different videos and movies and people to learn from. I was reading every book you could think of from the Catholic exorcists, from other people, from uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who, who are pretty much like trailblazers in the field. And I started learning from other people that uh, worked under them, who were still around. Then we had a, I would say, a life change, another, I would say. A life changing. A life changing moment for the entire family. And, and you know, this kind of field, it, it's really a calling. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't come into this kind of field of, of religious demonology with curiosity. I mean, you're curious, you, ha you have a, a passion for it, you have an interest in it, but this kind of field, it has to be a calling. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to probably run into a lot of trouble spiritually uh, for you, for your family. So what happened is this, um, into the topic, uh, I'm learning from people, I'm reading. We got the the foundation of how we're getting into this. And then we had this, this, this moment in time that totally put us on this, this path, right? That we could never turn back from. We take our daughter. Now it's our, it's our 16th birthday. You know, these kids with the, they have sweet 16s and they want these big parties. She wants to go on a trip to Florida and take uh, a few of her friends. So we take three of her friends with her and we go to this beautiful um, hotel in, in Orlando. Uh, overlooking Disneyland. So it was beautiful. Now, th this part right here, <laughs> you 
you know, somebody could say, well, you know, you kind of add that into the story. But I, what happened is this two or three days before, remember the dream? Mm. I had a dream. So I, I have this dream that uh, we're walking in, in I'm, I'm walking in some uh, hotel room or apartment. It was more of a hotel room. And, you know, now I guess because, of, you know, all the books I was reading and I, and I learned a lot of things, I start getting attacked by this demonic entity in, in the room and it's throwing me all around and is beating me up. And I, I, I sit down in his chair and I remember just being out of breath, beat up. And I, I remember, you know, just thinking, I remember I was trying to do some religious rites and they were doing nothing in this dream. And then the door opens up and then these satanic people <laughs> come in and start telling me basically not to work in this field, that this won't be good for you and it won't be good for your family. Well, I wake up and you know I'm sweating and uh, I'm, all ups- I'm all upset. And I text a friend of mine, a, a pastor, and which is great because you know there's nothing like you know paper trails, because now I I look back later on and I sent him this whole text about this dream, so I tell my wife and she goes, well you better bring some holy water with you, you know. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that actually. My wife's like, you better bless the rooms when you get there. I said, yeah, definitely. So we we make this trip and we get to this beautiful place. Now, you know, it's a 19 hour drive. Um, we get there and I'm going to sleep and my wife's like, you never bless the rooms. And, and I'm like, I, it's gonna be, it's fine. It's, it's gonna be fine, I'll do, I'll do it tomorrow. Because I'm exhausted, you know, you're, you're exhausted. It's a long trip. I hear something, you're not, it's amazing because you, you don't think anything's gonna happen in, in a place like this. But I, you know, I hear a voice in my ear as I'm falling asleep and I said, and I said, wow, this is, this is crazy. So I get up and I start blessing the room. I start getting the holy water out, harmony snoring away. I'm throwing holy water around the room, right? Now we wake up the next morning and we're going to breakfast. I hear one of the girls tell Harmony that they have a handprint on their wall. They have this huge handprint on their wall with four fingers. And I, you know, they don't even tell me, they tell Harmony. So I overhear it and I go back and I see it and I take a picture of it. And I got a picture of that. You know, maybe it was the cleaner, the house cleaner, right? The housekeeper. The housekeeper. So, you know, I'm not sure yet. And we go on with our day. The, yeah. the next night, yeah. what happens is that the girls are sleeping in their room and the room is pitch black. One of them wakes up to banging. And what she sees is through the mirror, she sees the bathroom door. It's a sliding door with the bathroom light open. She sees a black figure behind this door slamming this door back and forth, back and forth. She wakes up the girl next to her and she sees it. Now these girls are panicking. At this time, Harmony was now about to try to come in the room because it was it was early morning and they had their blinds shut. So that's why it was so dark. This black shadow figure slams the door and the lights go out in the bathroom. The girls get up, they let Harmony in and you know now the girls are terrified. So I come back in, Harmony calls me. Um, I come back in and I and I you know interrogate the girls. I want to make sure that you know they're not full of it. They're not making up a story because this is pretty serious, especially something like this. And they're telling the truth. So long story short, the next night I uh, end up doing a, a exorcism in the room. The girls are out of the room. They go to the pool. I go in the room and I do my first room exorcism. I mean, this is like you know 
baptism by fire idea. I, I can't believe I'm in this room now. Everything I learned, everything that I was really on the path for, I, I'm in this room. And, you know, I'm doing the Roman ritual. Uh, I'm, I'm reading scripture. I, I, I uh, have a basic knowledge in Koine Greek, which is the original language of uh, the New Testament. So I'm, I'm reciting Greek, you know, in scripture. Uh, I'm doing everything I can. And the next few nights were fine. The girls had no problems in the room. Everything was yeah. fine. We come back home and I'm going through the, the camera roll. And I happened to notice a picture that I don't remember taking. I, it must have snapped by itself when I was with my phone in their room. And I got a, a very dark shadow figure in their room. So I started showing it to people in the field. And everybody who saw it said, oh, yeah, this is something and it's not good. So what I do is I start contacting this hotel. And I'm going back and forth. And I'm not getting really any, any responses to, to what I'm bringing up. And finally... I get the director of operations calls me back and says, hey, when can we talk? So we start having meetings. They have an investigation on their side and they ended up shutting down the room. They wouldn't let any other people come into that room again. They gave it over to the inventory where it was just a stock room. So because I said to them, I said, listen, you're going to have another problem with a family. We're not looking for a free trip here, but you're going to have a problem. So you need to shut this room down. And, you know, I never I never made a public I never went and told anybody, but they shut it down, which was good. So when we came back from the trip, I said, you know, I'm going to start picking up cases. And it's just amazing how these cases began. It, it was, you know, it started off small and each one was a, a stepping stone into, into something bigger. That's a incredible way to for it to all come about, really, isn't it? You know, just to digest everything there. It's it's fascinating, I think, the point you made about you're chosen for this particular role. And you've just definitely proved that where everything kind of lined up in such a defined way leading into that initial exorcism that you performed in that room. And bizarre, isn't it, that you've had this dream and then you, yeah. you've, you've, you've brought holy water with you. And it's even that thing of you don't expect to go stay at a resort or at a hotel and ever expect um, to witness or experience anything like this. And even the fact that, it, you know, it was so close to you, it wasn't even like, you know, a stranger in that hotel. It was like it specifically happened uh, in front of you guys for, I suppose, the reason which is what you're doing now. Yeah, it, it was. it's a very interesting because it, it kind of gave validity to what we're doing because it, it drew the whole family into it at one time. Right. So you have my 16 year old. We have four children, but my you know, my daughter was there uh, and three close friends. So they learned very quickly how real this stuff is. So like, yes. like you said, you know, Definitely. It, it was it kind of just popped up in front of everyone. Quite shocked when you mentioned that um, you actually opened up a line of communication with the hotel and they were actually willing to hear you out and then actually to decide to close that room off to the public. Like that just seems like. It's such a bizarre outcome because I feel like, you know, a lot of these sort of corporations be like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. You know, that's a room. That's, you know, quite a few hundred dollars a night that we're going to be missing out on. But the fact that they really listened to you is, I just think that's incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you, I really did my research before I got in touch with them and I did a whole background check on the history of the hotel. And I found that there were two children that actually uh, passed away in, in, in tragic events in the hotel. 
And, you know, when I was speaking with them, I kind of told them everything I knew. And, you know, she was, she was kind of like, oh, okay, you knew that. And, oh, you knew that. <laughs> so, you know, she, she believed me right away, pretty much when I was talking with her. She, she goes, no, I, I, I believe there's things that happen. And, you know, luckily I, I wasn't talking to somebody who's closed minded and you know, we had a very good conversation. And then, you know, she, we just started emailing back and forth. And that's when, you know, I, she, you know, she's told me also she did her own investigation. They called the, the housekeepers in and the staff. And she says, yeah, we put the room out of order. You know, it's now a stock room. So I, you know, how do you, maybe something happened even before that and we didn't know, you know, you never know. As you mentioned, you had some sort of interest in this in these specific topics and then, you know, everything kind of just unraveled. But it is that thing of then how do you explain that to family and everything like that? Like, yeah, mum and dad are demonologists, but it's like in that yeah. event, it's just like, oh, okay, this, this it all makes sense now. We've actually witnessed it. This is the real deal. Yeah. And when, when talking to my daughter, it's funny because she tells everybody, she says, it's kind of the norm in my house. She's just so used to it. Like she'll come home sometimes and, you know, I had the frankincense going. She smells it. She goes, oh, you blessed the house again. You know, <laughs> so she's, yeah. she's just like, it's nothing new to her. The, the rest of the family really doesn't know. This is this is the first time we're really coming out with this publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything we've done has very, pretty much been private. You know, we do it to help people. Um, so that's really that's really the goal. So but we, we decided actually to start speaking about it because, you know what, it's. If you really want to help more people, you got to you got to get on a bigger platform so they know they can reach you. That is 100% correct. You know, I've um I've spoken to a lot of people uh, on this podcast about, you know, a lot of different varying topics and a lot of the time it's that person's first time speaking out and, you know, actually putting their thoughts and their learnings out there online and I always really greatly appreciate it because it's it's so important to get these paranormal topics out into the world and, you know, from really great, clear points of view as well. You know, we're not trying to um, muddy the waters. You know, I like to get people on who've had legitimate experiences and have actually, they have some information that could actually be quite important because that was something I was going to ask is how do people, first of all, even know they are possessed if they have no understanding what's going on you know obviously they must pass that off as a lot of different things before the idea of demonic possession but it's like how do how's a general person meant to figure this out and then you know where they even turn to it's such a hard thing you you know what i noticed a lot is that it's usually someone else who notices it in the person i've never had personally i've never had that i know of a demonic uh, possession case what we really work with is, I would say, there's three stages of, of demonic activity. You have infestation, uh, you would have demonic oppression, demonic possession. And a lot of the cases we got uh, are the first and second stages. But a lot of the times you would have uh, a family member contact us and they would be the ones to say, hey, listen, this person is not uh, – is not acting the way he normally does, she normally does, you know, my wife isn't. I've had that a few times. It's a very tricky aspect of this because even in possession, it's not something that's an activity that's all the time. There's there's episodes of lucidity, 
where they're their the selves and they realize something's wrong. And that's when they that's if the person reaches out, that's when they do it. You know, they know something's wrong. Uh, we just had a case with a girl, a young girl who she went up to Sleepy Hollow in upstate New York. They were doing some things they shouldn't be doing. They were, you know, the, the way they were trying to contact spirits and, and do and playing with some some instruments they shouldn't be. And they believe the boyfriend became possessed at one point. She began to have uh, spiritual issues. And, you know, she can realize that, hey, this is going on. I'm having nightmares. I'm hearing voices in my head that are telling me things. You start to have these episodes where, you know, things aren't normal. You know, like I said, it's, it's a very, this is where prayer and discernment really come into play, where now actually you're you're trying to decide between mental illness right. and demonic possession, which can also, you know, someone could be, have a, a mental illness and still have, you know, some kind of demonic issue. And again, you know, this is this is where I, you know, I just I think, and and I'm I'm happy of our careers. Harmony was a emergency medical technician uh, on the New York City ambulance. I was a paramedic, and it really helps as well having some kind of foundation in the medical field, because yeah. we, you know, we talk to a lot of people, and we kind of know how to ask those certain questions, look at the medication, and that that really goes into our investigation as well when when we take on a case. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of aspects 
to decipher. And uh, obviously, it must just be a case by case how people are going to react. It's that's always been my thing: is how are people like yourselves like figuring this out? But I guess it's just um, I guess spending a lot of time in this field, and you probably get a pretty clear understanding the more and more you do it. But yeah, it's just such a fascinating thing. You know, I believe in a lot. You know, that's kind of the reason why I do this podcast. And it's that thing of with stuff like this, sometimes it's just it's it's terrifying, isn't it? To be perfectly honest, that this stuff is going on and more than ever people know about it, but people still don't seem to really give it a lot of thought into the actual real, uh, the sort of dark side of the stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I, to- I totally agree with you 100%. And uh, this is a big issue I had coming into this field with, I would say, the church and, and non-church people because there's a couple of ways that it's approached by people. What I, what I found and experienced is that most people will, like you said, you know, they, they won't pay much attention to it. And I believe the reason is that they don't believe. I think the reason is if they really gave the attention and, and thought to that we have all these different, you know, paranormal things going on around us, you know, demonic issues. We have ghosts, spirits, UFOs, all these things, right? If they really give acknowledgement to that, it's going to change their life and it's going to change the way they view, you know, the tiny little world they live in. And I think that scares the heck out of people. Uh, I found that. I found that with a lot of people who, you know, when I came into this field, uh, I always tell people, if you want to, you know, if you want a good reputation, don't become a, a paranormal investigator or a demonologist because, you know, Everybody makes fun of you. It's a joke to them until they need you. That's it, isn't it? It's it's so much easier, I think, for a majority of people just to kind of go through life, you know, pay the taxes, go to work, you know, have a family and so on, and then not really open their mind up to everything that is sort of unexplained. Once you start to open these doors and start to educate yourself on the things that parascience and just things that people have forever sort of discussed and once you actually give it that time of day, you do start to view everything differently. And I think from my personal sort of learning and growth that it's changed me for the better, I think. It's the way I view certain things. It definitely does make the world feel like, (laughs) I guess, like a lot smaller and maybe some of the issues that go on, it's just like, man, people don't even know that this stuff is happening all the way over here, you know, that it's, it's, it's wild. Oh, yeah, it, t- it totally, I mean, it totally just, it, it brings a different perspective, you know, yeah, yeah. like you said, I mean, uh, we love it, you know, it totally, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ahead, but, well, I mean, I just, and, I, I feel like, I mean, it's true, if you, if you have an open mind to things, it just makes <laughs> looking at your bank account and credit card debt and things like that yeah. a lot less yeah. <laughs> stressful. <laughs> yeah, right. I've spoken to a handful of demonologists on the podcast. I I really wanted to educate myself because I feel like within the paranormal realm, it's the thing that, I don't know, I feel like there's probably a lot of misinformation and then I guess there's a lot of differing opinions and viewpoints. I've spoken to a gentleman who uses Reiki and a lot of spiritual aspects um, but aren't so much biblical. He definitely still uses, I think, higher entities 
on his side and kind of fights all this negative kind of en- like all this energy. But that was like one of the very first people I'd spoken to about this topic. I was like, wow, this is definitely not what I envisioned. And then last year I spoke to a few people kind of in a panel, I guess like round table kind of situation where I'd kind of put all these questions to them and they were more so kind of hobbyists with this stuff. All of them had different responses, I guess, depending on their experience. So I'm just curious to where you guys are sitting with it. And obviously you've mentioned that um, you're following the biblical kind of sense of this stuff, but why do you think there are so many differing opinions out there and the way that people approach this? That's a great question. There are. In this field, you're going to, there's people who have uh, all different perspectives of how demonology should be done, uh, paranormal investigating should be done. The way I go about it, and, and like I said, listen, this is this is how we approach it. I'm very firm in it. You know, I, I don't waver either way. I respect the other people in this field uh, of what they believe. I, I really do, because I believe that they're here, everybody's here to do good. They're here to help other people, to, to find out, you know, what we don't know. But the way the way we approach it is really from, like I said, I believe that after talking with a lot of demonologists myself and hearing what you're saying too, you know, they're different opinions um, with all the different religions. I mean, you have different names for demons all over the world. Um, every culture has believed in them. They believed in spirits. I have to read everything and learn everything. And even with, I would tell you, in, in biblical Christianity, I would have to learn everything in history all the way back from the beginning. And I, I, I made that a point because I don't want to come into a field and I don't want to do things that can hurt people and not really not know what I'm doing. So even as far as, as the Christian Catholic perspective I would have to learn, like, why do I, why do I even believe what I'm reading? You know, I, I, I was Harmony and I would change, like I said, spiritually. Okay, but why do I even follow Christianity? And I would go back to the original manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts, and even before that, the, the historians from from Rome, from um, the Jewish culture, and that led me on the path of what I believe to be like the truth of following this, and. The more I, I you know, I, I got grounded as a Christian and then came into the field of demonology, which I believe is an extension of that, I felt that this is where we need to take it from. And that I heard it put uh, put like this from someone else. There's not too many players on the chessboard. You know, it, it's God and his angels, the devil and his fallen angels, and there's us in the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the way I come at it. I don't believe it's 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 as wide open, and I don't want to say chaotic, but wide open with all these different contradicting views to me and how we do it from my research and from my beliefs and from the way I, I came up in this. I, I, I believe it's like I said, it's just a few players here. And when you understand who's in control you understand what the capabilities of the demons are and and how God is sovereign and our role in this, it really becomes much simpler. So for instance, you know, I go into a case and, you know, we, we, just, we determined it's definitely demonic activity. There's no doubt. It's not a human spirit. It's definitely something demonic. You know, we know what we're going in with. 
you know, we have our faith, we have the grounding in the faith with scripture. I understand through history what was done. I understand all the way back through history how this was, how this was, uh, how this started, you know, what Jesus did, how this was confirmed in, in, in other, um, you know, in, in other writings. So I come in with that mentality of it's not, it's really not us. You know, Harmony and I come into this, we use the God-given gifts that he's given us as far as, you know, really being able to discern what's going on, uh, you know, have faith and trust. But I don't come into this that there there is, uh, you know, something outside of God. I believe God created everything. I believe that everything is subject to him. And that's how I approach it. You know, I... I I, I, I see other people, they have, you know, they use the Reiki, they, uh, you know, energies. And, you know, like I said, it's not what I do. It, it's not, it's not how I would do it. I, I respect people and, and how they, and how they're going to do it. You have your tools that seem to be giving you results that are working and other people have other tools. And at the end of the day, if it's coming out the other end with the best result, then that's, that's what works for everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, anybody, I, honestly, I think anybody who tells you we know everything in this field, <laughs> you know, they, they're wrong. Right. We, there's, there's so much we don't know. You know, we're human beings. We're doing the best of what we all know. How, like you said, you know, how we approach it. Um, this is what we know. You know, this is what we know solidly. Uh, someone else may have their research in something else and, and use it a different way. Um, you know, it's like at the end of the day, we're all, we're all here to help people, you know, with, with their issues they have and we all need to work together in it. You know, I, like okay. I said, you know, I, I love talking with, with people in this field, you know, uh, I, I love hearing different opinions. I do love hearing it and hearing their stories and how they go about it and how they got into it, you know, and at the end of the day, we need, we do need to work together. We need to have more people working together, coming forward. Um, and, and helping, yeah. helping people who are, are being hurt by yeah these types of activities out there. So, yeah, I love that having that open mind approach and just taking everything on board and yeah, just listening. You know, I think that's that's the biggest thing now, isn't it? Where people can be so opinionated and just with their beliefs that they don't want to be open to anything else. But I often do find people who you know do take interest or partake in the paranormal are you know the most open minded people, and we're all very willing to have these at length discussions and just because we want to learn, we want to better ourselves, and I guess. Every day we're trying to um, convince ourselves and you know others around us that this stuff is really happening and it's important. Yes, absolutely. With you guys doing this um, for the last few years now, what are the most common ways that people are bringing these entities onto them? As you said, it's often in the early stages, but uh, is there a common thread that seems to be uh, coming up time and time again that people might have used something that they shouldn't have, they've kind of brought it upon themselves. What have you witnessed over this time? There's a, a lot to it because, again, so you're asking religious demonologists this kind of question. So it comes in, it can come in so many different ways. Uh, but we've seen uh, we've seen someone buy, buy a new house, okay, uh, a house from someone. And this house actually was owned by a person who was into witchcraft before them. Mm -hmm. So now you're moving into a house that was already 
given over to the demonic where you have demons bound to this house. So they'll move into this house. That can happen to anybody. Tarot cards. Tarot cards, uh, Ouija boards. A lot of those kinds that's, of things. That's a big thing that I believe is very dangerous. You know, we're given a mandate biblically in Deuteronomy not to, to speak to the dead, to stay away from necromancy, to divination. And, you know, what I've noticed, and, I, and I've seen it, especially now with, with uh, social media, you have these kids all over the place playing these games, calling demons. Mm, yeah. When you sit and you are now opening yourself up to something you really have no idea about, it, it's kind of like opening up your, your front door in the middle of the night in, in the pitch dark and saying, whatever's out there, come on in. And in a lot of cases, we have seen people with an unhealthy interest, I would say, in, in doing these things. When you do that, you're giving the green light. It's like putting the bat signal out there. It's there's something called the law of invitation. So what you're doing at this point is you're, you're inviting, you're inviting this demonic spirit in, you're inviting any spirit in at this point. And, and like I said, in a lot of cases, that's that's what these people are doing. And a lot of them are young, you know, younger people. That, that manifesting. Is that what you're talking about? That manifesting? Well, there's, well, there's other, you're right. There's something called manifesting where they're playing this game. Um, there's a new thing I just saw out actually uh, on my, my daughter. Uh, let me know. It's on TikTok and it's called uh, the seven deadly sins challenge. Now, what these kids are doing is they're they're making a salt circle they're getting in the middle and they're calling a demon into their life to to do these seven deadly sins. See, anytime you do any kind of invitation, you're letting something in called extraordinary activity. And that's when you begin that first stage of infestation. So when you start with that, usually when, when you when you call out to the demonic you are now beginning that stage and that's when usually we get the call. I'm not surprised that a lot of the cases do tend to come from people inviting this activity. And I've always said that to people too. I think if you do want to dabble in Ouija boards and tarot cards, just be aware of what you're using. You know, They are tools. There's a correct way uh, and a respectful way to go about it. But if you aren't careful. That is that thing. You are dabbling with something that I think is very well proven that these things are tools to make contact and treat it with respect. You know, you've sort of brought up a few different cases as we've been speaking, but uh, is there any that you'd like to share with us here that kind of stick out or, you know, might interest people listening? Oh, yes. Uh, Well, right now, we have a case that is actually about to come out to uh, one of the local out from the local news stations in Connecticut. And th- this was a very interesting case, you would say, right, Harmony? It was, this was probably the most well-documented case we had. It, it, it really presented itself in, in a way, it could have been much better the way it was presented uh, with, with video, with, with photo evidence uh, from the family. And what happened is, and it was one of the cases I was mentioning, uh, a woman, purchased a home in a beautiful area in, in Connecticut. She, uh, she had her four-year-old granddaughter living with her with special needs. Uh, just a beautiful little girl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was so cute. And the one thing, and I tell people this now because of this case, she never went into the attic. 
Okay, she never checked the attic because it didn't have her stairs and it was like a cutout in the in the ceiling. So she never went in it. One night she is uh, downstairs. It's about 10, 11 o'clock at night and she hears walking in the attic. She hears footsteps. She hears banging and pounding. Smartly, she pulls out her phone and she records it. She records it all. She calls her her sisters. One's in Oklahoma. The other one's in the other town. And they end up coming over maybe a, a few days later. They go up into this attic and they find sigils and demonic markings all over the walls, uh, salt uh, circles. Bloody handprints. Yeah, bloody uh, handprints in certain areas on the wall. Uh, you know, just things that would make your the, your hair, you know, go up in the back of your neck. So, you know, now they're panicking. And I guess they were looking up, they were, you know, people for help. And they, they found me online somehow. And so I remember getting this call and I was just, you know, I, I, and I saw the pictures actually because I put them on uh, social media. So I said, listen, if you're serious, take down your post and, you know, have your sister call me tomorrow. Because one of the other sisters reached out. One thing in the case, I never take a case from a third party. It's always got to be somebody, you know, who really wants to help directly because sometimes people don't want help. You know, you don't want to push or solicit a case. So the sister calls me and uh, she tells me, you know, everything that happened. But then she goes on, you know, we, I started asking her more questions. And she's telling me that the four-year-old uh, granddaughter is now developing a relationship with, with whatever's in the house. It's contacting her. And she had a video of that as well, where this little girl actually gave it a name and she knew it was up in the attic. She kept saying it's up in the attic. Now, like I said earlier, I don't just run over right away when, when we get a case. I got to do a, a real good, thorough investigation on it. I, you know, it's from training uh, of these these type of, of things, uh, working in, as, as a police officer, as a paramedic. So I start digging up, looking around the background of the house, looking at pictures before they bought the house through the realtors. And I found something very interesting. One of the sigils on the wall were one to a, uh, a demon that goes back in history to the 17th century in the, the Lesser Key of Solomon, uh, this demon called Marbus. And the way he presents is as a lion with the bottom of like a, of a male of legs and everything. So that's how he presents to people. Now this woman who had the house before uh, the complainant, which I call her, had a tremendous stone fountain of, of a lion on the front of the house, which, you know, people have that, but right there I'm drawing a little coincidence. And then after uh, the family was talking with some neighbors, you know, they, they said too, they said, you know, this woman was a witch who lived next door. And, and at first the family thought they were just saying she was mean, you know, and she's a witch, but she was actually a witch. So I'm putting some things together. I'm making up the case. Now I'm getting video of the little girl saying that this thing makes a sound like a lion and she's roaring in the house. And they said she's never done that before. And she's saying, you know, and I have it on video. It's, it's an amazing video. So now, you know, I'm concerned. I'm telling Harmony, I said, listen, we got to run right over there. We got to get over there this weekend. Um, you know, this thing's making contact. And what the demonic do is they, they pick on the weaker vessel. They'll pick on a little girl. You know, they'll come as a friend. Because, again, like I was telling you, it's the law of invitation. 
they're they're trying to get their way into the life of, of a person, even a little child. So now we're like, we have to get over there. We go over, we do a, a whole investigation around the yard. She's taking us around sites where you see rock formations and everything. And the uh, complaint is telling us it looks like she was doing some kind of rituals here. It's it's a it's an amazing view. It, it's, it's like a whole rock formations in the yard, uh, you know, overlooking by the woods and the moon. Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, you know, we got enough here. We know something's going on. We, we confirm, you know, there's definitely demonic activity going on in this home. We go up into the attic. We, we start doing incense. The way we do it is we, we go around the entire house with frankincense. And we start at the basement. We go in the, the cabinets and the closet. Harmony takes over one part of the house. I do the other. And we smoke the house out with, with blessed frankincense. Has to be blessed. So we now go up into the attic where there's the most demonic activity to do the Catholic ritual. And we have cameras set up upstairs. And little did I know, the, one of the family members was downstairs with her iPhone out. And there was another one outside with the child with her phone out. So I said, you know, do me a favor. I don't want the, the, the little girl in the house when we're doing this. Take her, and, you know, death somewhere in the yard. So now we go upstairs and we start doing the prayers. Now at this time, what's happening outside, and it's, like I said, this is all documented by video. The little girl is saying that her friend in the attic is hurt that something's happening to him up there. And as we're doing the prayer, she's saying he's falling down. So we're continuing the prayer. And as I'm going, I'm reading, I'm reading uh, scripture or part of the prayer, this horrific smell starts coming up from the floor. Yeah. It, it was like, it was vomit, feces. It, it was terrible. And I was, I remember sweating and gagging. And about two seconds later, I smelled it too. Yeah. Yep. So she confirmed it. She's like, "Yeah, I smell it too." And I, it was something I never smelled before. It was it was a terrible smell. So, you know, we're continuing on. We're, we're going, and now we get to the Our Father. We start reciting the Our Father, and this noise starts to manifest throughout the entire attic. Now, I couldn't make it out. I'll tell you at first because you know it, it was almost in sync with the prayer and it did. And I'm going to be honest with you. It did get me for a minute. Cause I, I, I stopped and I said, what is that? I, I didn't know what that was. We, we really didn't know. I thought it was my phone or something. It, it was almost, thing. it was, it was almost, I don't want to say mechanical, but it was something I've never heard before. It was a, it was a very strange noise. And so we finished the one part of the prayer and harmony yells down to the family. Cause we're thinking maybe they're doing something downstairs. And, one of the sisters yells up, that's up there with you. We thought you were doing that. Now, she's recording this entire thing from the first floor. And let me tell you, on her video, it's clear as a bell. It's much, much louder, which means it was probably coming from the second story of the house. Because she was on the first. There's a second story and we were in the attic. So this thing is loud and it's going throughout the house. So 
you know, we continued on with the prayer. We finished. It was really uh, the rest of it was uh, there was really no, no other activity. Mm-hmm. But we came back a second time and this noise happened again. And if you hear it on the video, it, it absolutely sounds like it's growling. And each time we were, we were reciting and when we stopped, the noise stopped and we started another prayer. It started growling again. So, you know, when we came back a second time, at one point it happened again. And, you know, I, I said to the family, you know, can this be anything else? Because I, I look at, you know, it's very quiet area. It's, it's almost by the woods. And they said this only happens when you're here doing that. So we've been back. Uh, I went back about, yeah, about three times. I went back a third time because I found something in the yard that I just didn't like around the ritual area. I dug it up. It, it was a, it was some tool and it just seemed like it was put there maybe because something was under it. It was maybe a landmark, a landmark. I ended up taking a shelf out of there that had a pentagram on it and that was in the attic that I believe was probably used for some kind of ritual tools and I'm storing them in a location. So we've been going back and, uh, you know, but now that they're, they're feeling better. So what happened is they wanted to speak to the news as well. So the news is actually running a story on this about how basically, you know, this stuff still goes on. Connecticut is very haunted. Connecticut is very haunted. Um, that's where Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, that's where they had their, uh, their whole, a lot of their cases, I would say, yeah, their house cases, and uh, a lot of cases with Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, and in that case, I'll tell you, that case was very is very big because, like I said, it's very well documented from the family, you know, and and it's just the way it lined up with the activity and it, it all presents. This one, I would say, is not too many could be textbook because you can read about them, but this presented in a textbook manner. You know, we knew we were walking into, we knew it wasn't a human spirit. You know, I read up on this, this demonic entity and, you know, if you go by folklore, you know, he's the fifth president of hell with, uh, 216,000 soldier demons under him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, the witch yeah. was there like and she most likely called him. Yeah. We know yeah. there was a witch there. And my, my theory is that you know, she was kicked out of this place for foreclosure, and I'm, I'm thinking she bound whatever she was, you know, working with. She bound it to this house, and this family, you know, was just an innocent victim that, you know, that walked into this uh, situation. Wow, a very horrific way to, um, well, I suppose, yeah, it's pure innocence, isn't it? Like you've just moved into a house, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I guess I'm dealing with this now. That's that's. They're really it's, full on. it's a beautiful house. Yeah, it's, it's a gorgeous. I mean, house. you know, it's, it's like almost a, a mansion. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, I can't tell you the, the the neighborhood. You know, you'd love to live there. It's a dream house, and you know, it turns and into a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> can't make it up. Yeah, it, as you said, it does sound very like textbook, but that's that. I think I really enjoyed listening to that. Then it's as you said, it's very well detailed, and even the fact that yeah, you know, you have to go back multiple times because whatever this thing was, was extremely powerful and wasn't, you know, going to leave uh, easily. Yeah, I love that. Doing interviews like this, you never really know who you're going to be speaking with or their experiences, but uh, the stuff that you guys have dealt with, it very much, it feels like you're like the modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren in a sense, like their cases sound very similar to um, what you guys have um, happened to come across. It's a very interesting life. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you could be 
you could be sitting home and you think that maybe you'll never get another case. And then the phone just rings like it did in Connecticut. It was, it was almost 12 o'clock at night, you know, and then you, you turn from the, the parents with four kids in college. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, you're running into a situation like this. So yeah, it's, it's very, uh, it's it, interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's, the best part is that you're doing it to help others, you know, people in these situations who don't really have, you know, a ton of option. There's not a ton of, I guess, demonologists who are actively putting themselves out there if people, you know, want help. And as you said, you're not forcing this upon anyone. If people really want help, that's when you'll go out and um, do what you can do. But yeah, it's great to hear that there are people out there right now who are doing well, really like God's work in a sense, you know, and actually helping, um, helping those who really need it. Oh, thank you. Oh, I thank really, you. really appreciate that. Really do. How do people get in touch with you? If, um, anyone listening to this, uh, wants to reach out and maybe has some questions or maybe potentially, um, they think they might be dealing with something demonic. Well, I have a, a, a Facebook page. Uh, it's called the New York, the New York office of demonic investigations. And we actually have a dedicated phone number. Um, 929-810-1536. They can call, they can leave a message, they can uh, text a message and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always get back to them. That's great. I love having that open line of communication just for anyone who needs it. Yes. Yeah, very, it's very important because, uh, you know, one, one thing I, I've seen in this field is that, you know, you got to know who you're, you got to, you got to speak to somebody. You have to know who you're talking to because it's very serious and you have, you know, plenty of people who, who really are, you know, they're being held hostages and maybe in their home or somewhere they're, they're being attacked and they'll come onto social media and, you know, they'll post something and you'll have a comment section of, you know, 30 different ideas to try. And, you know, when I saw that, I said, you know, it, it's got to be more personal. It, it's kind of like, you know, you have something happen to you. And you call the police, you know, you, you see the policeman come or you have a, a medical issue and the ambulance comes. You got to know who is helping you. Mm. And this is why, you know, again, we, we made the decision to come out, you know, regardless of, of how it's viewed. You know, this is this is who we are. We really want to help people. And like I said, yeah, we, we got the phone number, too, because if somebody really wants to speak to us, uh, you know, I, I want to be there to, to help them. Amazing. Thank you guys so much. And uh, as you said, you know, this is sort of, you're very new to coming out and um, speaking about this, but honestly, it's very important. And uh, I'm so grateful that you've been able to do it and that, you know, I like to think that um, this this podcast has sort of become this vessel of, I'm just letting people put out you know, the good message about the paranormal out there. And it's, you know, it's not even about me anymore. It's just this weird thing that <laughs> this is kind of happens. But I love that, um, you know, I can sort of do my little bit just to help, you know, people like yourself to um, educate and let people know that this stuff does happen. And if you do need help, there is help out there. You just have to sort of know where to look and I guess be open to getting that help. You know, I, I want to thank you too for what you do. I think I think it's great what you do that you open up a forum. You know, just like you said, for people to to come on and and you know to learn and discuss. It's very important. Yes. So so we thank you too. Oh. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys so much. 
Well, there you go, the modern-day Ed and Lorraine Warren, Chris and Harmony DeFlorio there. Thank you so much again to Chris and Harmony for coming on. I got a lot out of this chat. I love I love learning more and more about this world of demonology, and I know a lot of you guys do too. I'm really excited to you know speak with them in the future and, I don't know, just see how the story's kind of progressing with what they're doing. So thanks so much to them again. And thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. As I mentioned earlier, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you're subscribed. We have the Patreon. I actually believe that when this episode's come out, Paranormal Thoughts has turned five years old or so, or is it six? I think it's five. (laughs) I probably should have thought about that uh, earlier. I think it's five years, uh, which is absolutely wild. Uh, It could be six. It feels like six (laughs) in a sense. No, I love producing this podcast, guys, and the fact that you always here listening and supporting uh what this you know what this podcast is is uh really incredible so i thank you all so much for caring and you know just letting me kind of voice my opinion and i hope you get something out of it and that it's just adding to this whole kind of world of the paranormal uh, in a really positive way so thank you guys so much i can't thank you enough to be perfectly honest but you know, if you keep listening i'll keep making it so I think we'll leave it there. So I look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.